Hello, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 26th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll look at numbers 1643 through 1654 of the Catechism. 5. The Goods and Requirements of Conjugal Love. 1643. Conjugal love involves the totality in which all the elements of a person enter, appeal of the body and instinct, a power of feeling and affectivity, aspiration of the spirit and of the will. It aims at a deeply personal unity, a unity that, beyond union in one flesh, leads to forming one heart and soul. It demands indissolubility and faithfulness, in defining mutual giving, and it is open to fertility. In a word, it is a question of the normal characteristics of all natural conjugal love, but with a new significance, which not only purifies and strengthens them, but raises them to the extent of making them the expression of specifically Christian values. The Unity and Indissolubility of Marriage, 1644. The love of the spouses requires, of its very nature, the unity and indissolubility of the spouse's community of persons, which embraces their entire life. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. They are called to grow continually in their their communion through day-to-day fidelity in their marriage promises of total mutual self-giving. The human communion is confirmed, purified and complemented by communion in Jesus Christ, given through the sacrament of matrimony. It is deepened by the lives of the common faith and by the Eucharist received together. 1645. The unity of marriage, distinctly recognised by our Lord, is made clear in the equal personal dignity which must be recorded to man and wife in mutual and unreserved affection. Polygamy is contrary to conjugal love, which is undivided and exclusive. The Fidelity of Conjugal Love 1646. By its very nature, conjugal love requires the inviolable fidelity of the spouses. This is the consequence of the gift of themselves which they make to each other. Love seeks to be definitive. It cannot be an argument, an arrangement, until further notice. The intimate union of marriage as mutual giving of two persons and the good of the children demand total fidelity from the spouses and require an unbreakable union between them. 1647. The deepest reason found in the fidelity of God to his covenant is that of Christ to his church. Through the sacrament of matrimony, the spouses are enabled to represent this fidelity and witness to it. Through the sacrament, the indissolubility of marriage receives a new and deeper meaning. 1648. It can seem difficult, even impossible, to bind oneself for life to another human being. This makes it all the more important to proclaim the good news that God loves us with such a definitive and irrevocable love that married couples share in this love, that it supports and sustains them, and that by their own faithfulness they can be witnesses to God's faithful love. Spouses who, with God's grace, give this witness often in very difficult conditions, deserve the gratitude and support of the ecclesial community. 1649. Yet there are some situations in which living together becomes practically impossible. 
for a variety of reasons. In such cases, the church permits the physical separation of a couple and their living apart. The spouses do not cease to be husband and wife before God and so are not free to contract a new union. In this difficult situation, the best solution would be, if possible, reconciliation. The Christian community is called to help these persons live out their situation in a Christian manner and in fidelity to their marriage bond, which remains indissoluble. 1650. Today, there are numerous Catholics in many countries who have recourse to, to civil divorce and who contract new civil unions. In fidelity to the words of Jesus Christ, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. The Church maintains that a new union cannot be recognised as valid if the first marriage was. If the divorced are remarried civilly, they find themselves in a situation that objectively contravenes God's law. Consequently, they cannot receive Eucharistic communion as long as the situation persists. For the same reason, they cannot ex exercise certain ecclesial responsibilities. Reconciliation through the sacrament of penance can be granted only to those who have repented for having violated the sign of the covenant and of fidelity to Christ and who are committed to living in complete continence. 1651. Towards Christians who live in this situation and who often keep the faith and desire to bring up their children in a Christian manner, priests and the whole community must manifest an attentive solicitude so that they do not consider themselves separated from the church in whose life they can and must participate as baptised persons. They should be encouraged to listen to the word of God, to attend the sacrifice of the Mass, to persevere in prayer, to contribute to works of charity and community efforts for justice to bring up their children in the Christian faith, to cultivate the spirit and practice of penance, and thus implore day by day God's grace, the openness to fertility. 1652. By its very nature, the institution of marriage and married love is ordered to the procreation and education of the offspring, and it is in them that it finds its crowning glory. Children are the supreme gift of marriage and contribute greatly to the good of the parents themselves. God himself said, It is not good for a man to be alone, and from the beginning he made them, male and female, wishing to associate them in a special way in his own creative work. God blesses man and woman in the words, Be fruitful and multiply. Hence, true married love and the whole structure of family life which results from it, without diminishment, of the other ends of marriage are directed to disposing the spouses to cooperate valiantly with the love of God, the Creator and the Saviour, who through them will increase and enrich his family from day to day. 1643. The faithfulness of conjugal love extends to the fruits of the moral, spiritual and supernatural life that parents hand on to their children by education. Parents are the principal and first educators of their children in this sense of fundamental task of marriage and family, is to be the service of life. 1654. Spouses to whom God has not granted children can nevertheless have a full conjugal life, full of meaning, in both human and Christian terms. Their marriage can radiate a fruitfulness of charity, of hospitality and of sacrifice. Okay, so the session, uh, again, continues on the teaching on marriage. In a sense, although we're in the section on, on the liturgy in the Catechism, the section of the sacraments or the liturgy, 
that this is more um, getting into the whole reality of married life and uh, what is marriage, what is the sacrament of marriage, rather than how do we celebrate the sacrament of marriage. And here we are looking at um, uh, what, uh, what conjugal love requires and um, the goods that it um, the goods that it produces that it is um, again it's a very beautiful uh, a very beautiful thing um, this conjugal um, relation that is in marriage um, and unfortunately here in this section this is one of the pages of the catechism that causes most problems in the uh, for 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 people who are not Catholics or who do not hold the faith of the Catholic Church. And it's um, it, it, here we're portraying a view of, um, of marriage that is very much against what the world is doing. The, for the world, marriage means something else. I mean, I think this was why I, I commented before why the US bishops decided to go with two words, marriage for what is in the world, and uh, then to say matrimony is what the Christian sacrament is. But unfortunately for a long time, uh, marriage in the world meant what marriage in the church means. But now it doesn't. And even though, according to in the next section of the Catechism, we'll be looking at, um, we'll be looking at the morality and looking at the concept of natural law. Natural law basically means that we have a law inscribed in our hearts. We have a tendency. We have a push within us towards something. That yes, this tendency, this push towards divinity, towards God, towards holiness, has been damaged by original sin, but it's still there. It hasn't been perverted. It's still there. It's damaged, it's weakened, but it's still there. And that all of us have this desire for marriage. And desire for marriage, which means a union between a man and a woman that is exclusive, eternal, and open to life. That every person, no matter where they're from, no matter what their religion is, whether they're Christian or not Christian, has this desire within them. Maybe it's become twisted by society. Maybe there are problems. And today, unfortunately, there are a lot of problems in marriage. In society, many people think, well, any two people can get married. They don't have to be a man and a woman. You can have uh, uh, two men. You can have two women. Um, you can have uh, whatever you want. And then marriage is, well, until I get a better offer, I'm there as long as it fulfills me. And as soon as things get difficult, I'm heading for the hills. Um, that we have the quickie divorces. You pay $200 to a lawyer and suddenly the marriage is gone legally. And these um, th these very unfortunate um, uh, these very unfortunate developments in society that says that marriage isn't important anymore, that marriage isn't fundamental, that marriage can you know it it destroys marriage, and so many people are afraid to get married. They say, well, if that's what it is, I don't want it. I'm afraid, and uh, you know people have been people have been um, weakened morally especially since the, the birth control pill, that, uh, you know, that it, it kind of is putting, uh, um, Paul VI, St. Paul VI now, had a fantastic encyclical, prophetical encyclical called Humanae Vitae, which an awful lot of people made fun of, an awful lot of people said was rubbish, and yet it's one of the most prophetic encyclicals ever written. It's a letter of the Pope saying that be very careful, 
that the Catholic Church doesn't accept um, these. Again, we'll see this more in, in part three of the Catechism, uh, the moral section. But he's saying that the Catholic Church doesn't accept the sexual ethic of the world, doesn't accept birth control, understood in the way that the world by pills or whatever, that it, it doesn't accept this because... Not because it annoys the church, not because God gets ticked off or something. It's because it damages people. It hurts people. It's something that causes them damage. And we are living in a society where many people have been damaged, where many families have been broken, where many of us find it very difficult to commit, difficult to give ourselves fully. And yet marriage needs us to give ourselves fully. And we need to give ourselves fully. We need to come out of ourselves. And the best way for most people to come out of themselves is through marriage. Again, God's plan for the majority of people is to get married. Sure, we will have priests. Please God, we'll have more priests. Please God, we'll have more nuns. That there are single people, people who are called to be single in this world. But the majority of people, when they're adult, are called to be married. Again, then we have the tragedies that happen that sometimes a marriage breaks down. Sometimes one partner will walk out on the other and uh, you have people who are uh, left. And the church says, first of all, it's not sinful if a marriage breaks. A marriage can break for different reasons. Uh, so if somebody, uh, you know, if, if marriage breaks, that per se is not sinful. But the person is not free to get married again. Unless we go through the, the investigation of annulment to see was our marriage there or not to start with. But they're not free to just um, to hook up with somebody else. And if it does happen that somebody has been validly married in the church and is now living a civil marriage or just living, um, sharing intimacy with somebody that they're not married to, then they're not able to go to communion. That this is what the church says. That I know there's been a lot of confusion about this in recent years. Uh, that there was a lot of very stupid things said around the time of the citizens of the family. But the teaching of the church is clear. If you are living in sin, you cannot approach the sacraments. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't automatically mean that you're going to hell. It doesn't mean many things. But what it does mean is that you cannot approach the sacraments. That's why the Catechism is saying they should listen to the Word of God, they should go to Mass without receiving communion, they should persevere in prayer, they should contribute to the works of charity and of the community efforts for justice to bring up their children in the Christian faith, to do works of penance and to look for God's grace day by day. God's grace isn't just given in the sacraments, it's given in other things too. And it says for those who are in this unfortunate situation, and again, sometimes people can be in this unfortunate situation very understandably. And they can be, uh, in a sense, stuck there or they can be there nearly without having uh, looked for it. But the church's teaching is clear that, they st that as long as they're in that situation, that they cannot receive, um, they cannot receive the sacraments. Uh, be it Eucharist, be it confession, um, sure, go to speak with the priest. But uh, he can't give absolution normally. But in these complicated things, it's good to speak with a wise priest and to, to get guidance of how to live your situation. And then lastly, in this, again, something that the, um, that the world today can't stand is this fertility. 
Today it seems almost as if children were a disease. The worst thing possible that could happen to somebody is to have a child. And yet marriage is the uh, marriage is the place for children, to have children. Children mean life. Yes, they mean sacrifice as well, giving uh, yourself. But it's it's how the world continues. The future of the world is in having children. There are all these myths today that there are too many people. That it seems, especially today, that it seems that there are too many people, too many people, too many people. And people say, well, with ecology, we're having too many people. The sky is falling down. We need to stop having children. We need to get rid of them, like trying to eradicate the measles or the mumps. We eradicate pregnancies. We eradicate children. And then we'll all be happy. We won't all be happy. We'll be living in a a barren world, a sterile world. This population, this uh, demographic winter seems to be heading towards us. That many of the richest countries were the best countries in the world, in the history of humanity, the easiest places to have children, the places where children have most possibilities since the creation of the world are the places where nobody has children. And it's terrible to see these places, Italy, Spain, many other places. Uh, Ireland isn't far behind. The US isn't far behind. If the US didn't import so many people, if there weren't so much uh, immigration, there would be a negative growth there. Russia is losing a million people every two years. And this is something very, very drastic. That it, uh, you know, it's uh, for many reasons. But the main thing is to see here that um, openness to life is part of Christian marriage. If there is no openness to life, there is no marriage. It's not that you have to have 27 children. But if there is no openness to life, there is no marriage. And people need to look for the grace of God that is given in the sacrament to have children. To have children and that this is the future the future of your family, the future of the church, the future of humanity, the future of the nation, all comes from having families, from having children. So very well. So tomorrow we'll continue. And tomorrow we'll look at number 1655 through 1658. God bless.